something I wanted to say last time that I should have said. I've seen a trend with young men getting humble beast tatted on them. <laughs> Kevin Winston Jr., I know you watched these. You have just humble tattooed on you. What is humble about that? And why are so many guys getting the same the same humble beast tattoo? Right. What are we doing? Why do you have a Cuban link? Wait, don't you have a Cuban link? No, I have no with, Cuban link. With your initials on it? <laughs> Where are you getting those allegations from? Show me the proof. Oh, yeah. Actually, I do have a Cuban link that you gave me. <laughs> yeah, like me Nick is the like, Cuban link <laughs> connoisseur. I've never been to Cuba. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you. I don't know where you, again. These allegations again, boys. Allegations here. We're talking about next episode. Boy, I got y'all with this evidence, bro. Cause he he capping right now. All right, everybody. Big news coming out of the Lions Den podcast. We officially have our own merch that we're getting ready to put out. Make sure to go cop yours. Link is in the description below. These proceeds help us produce this podcast, bring on A-list guests, and these proceeds also help Penn State NIL as a whole. Go get yours and tag us on social media. We'll give you a shout-out on the pod. Looking forward to seeing you wearing the Lions Den merch exclusively. We got big-time news coming from the Lions Den. We have a special event, Champs Downtown, October 5th on a Thursday. We will be doing a live show with all kinds of big, big-time guests. You don't want to miss it. Check out the link in the description below for more details. It's a free event to the public. Come through, hang out with us, watch us do the pod. You can find that again in the description or on state media, social media. We're looking forward to seeing you there. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Lion Den Podcast. Here with my guys, Nick Dawkins and Aeneas Hawkins, and my special guest, Tyler Warren, a.k.a. Psycho T. Here we bring you episode five. I'm going to say, hold on. Why is he just your special guest? Why can't he be like all of our special our guests? Our special like, guests, well, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Our special guests. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, just don't, don't ever let that happen again. Please, uh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so for real, Ty, Ty, we just got done. The whiteout game beat Iowa. Good win for us. Um, White out Warren. A lot of guys, you know, the media's putting it out. The fans are putting it out. My mom hit me up about it. Tell me about it. Do you think when the when it's the white out, the lights are on, you think it's just your time to lock in? Like, what goes on? No, I think I think it's just one of, part of it's luck and then just the game plan that week, the tight ends mm -hmm. are being used. And really, like with me and Theo, it's whoever happens to be in on that play. Like the second one, I just happened to be in an 11 and – they called a play for the tight ends, and, and we made the play. But and I think I think Khalil getting a touchdown, like yeah. it, was, it was a tight yeah. end day in the whiteout, and, and we're always happy with that in our room. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, dude, Dink scoring the first tutty, man, that's, that kind of set the tone. We yeah. seen the clip mm -hmm. of you jumping around, hype <laughs> for him, man. Tell me what it feel like seeing your young guy ball out like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that was probably the most excited I was in that game, just seeing Dink. We all know how he works and mm -hmm. you know, what his journey's been like in, in college football. So just seeing him get a touchdown on – one of the biggest stages in in college football is pretty special. Almost ran on the field when he scored. <laughs> I, was so I uh I hadn't seen Dink since twenty twenty one, basically, like his freshman year, uh, down at the bowl game and I saw him again. His traps, his back, like the size that he's mm. put on since the last time I saw him was impressive. And then he scored a tutty. It was definitely cool to see him do that. And that kind of makes me think about, you know, my first whiteout seeing Hawk out there uh, <laughs> when he kneeled Hawk down out where? when he kneeled down in prayer after we ran out and that his contribution to the team was you know, <laughs> my last year I started to get made fun of. PJ caught it. <laughs> PJ caught it. And you know, PJ, once he sees something, everybody's gonna see it too. <laughs> So I would come out pre-game because I knew I wasn't fit to play. So mm -hmm. I put on like eye black, I'd have tape everywhere. <laughs> I'd like get a sweat going and just like I would do like high knees for ten yards and stop and just like stare into the student section dramatically just for clout because I knew that was my time to shine for real. So I think everyone it, when and especially the whiteout when it's a big game during warmups, not like when you're properly warming up, but when you will go out there early. You have to do a dramatic stare until like the abyss of nothing. You have to. Just to, just as hopefully a camera caught that moment, that glimpse, mm -hmm, so you can play that movie scene in in your life. I mean, it's it's literally like a movie in the whiteout. Like when you're all in the field, like there is definitely a moment every year. It seems like where it feels like man, like this uh, this environment is just different than anything I've ever experienced. Dude, it always will be. I think I don't know why, but I feel like this year, and you can tell you can tell me that if you felt this way too. This year just felt like a little different. I mean, this season feels different as a whole, right? Our team and just our, our chemistry and our bond. But this whiteout just felt different coming out this year. I think maybe the emotional connect you felt the same way or you felt what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I think a nice a nice mist from the from the sky isn't gonna hurt anything. The, <laughs> the Not effects, afraid of wet ball work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the epicness. But uh I mean, yeah, just the season's been good and then to have that that kind of whiteout is just gonna keep building it. But it was definitely a a good scene with the with the extra rain 
add a little effects to it. Yeah, the, the natural Mother Nature FX definitely helped out. This one, like, a, just a nice mist of white. and That's good stuff. I know Jerry's a big fan of that. Also a big component of wet ball work. Can you tell us about that? Man, uh, I don't know that much about wet ball work. <laughs> but, no, nah, it was definitely crazy, man. 110,000 in the rain. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of cold, too. That was a crazy experience for me. It's my second whiteout. So, mm-hmm. just, you know, just knowing that I have another chance to be a part of that and two more chances maybe to be a part of that, I'm, I'm excited for that, man. And since you didn't get a chance to, as a recruit, come to the whiteout game, mm-hmm. do you taking, like, extra moments and now to take it all in, or how are you, how are you reacting to that? Yeah, definitely. For me, it's like warming up, coming out warming up, um, coming back out with our shoulder pads on, that's when I really start to feel it. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, just taking it all in, like Coach Franklin said, take it all in, look around, but then I'm locked back in on mm-hmm. whatever is going on in our game plan, so, you know. I want to ask all three of y'all, you know, just on the outside looking in, I remember back when Coach Pride was around and even Franklin was said, you know what those Penn State-Iowa games historically are, and it's just mm-hmm. tough physical football. And for y'all to goose egg them, like to dominantly win that game in the whiteout, what was that like? And I'll ask all of y'all, what type of mindset did you have this week that allowed that success? We'll start with you, Ty. Uh, I say, I mean, a big, a big part of that goes to our defense. We got – one of the best defenses in the country. And I feel like every year we're going to have a, a top 10 defense. So just they got to kind of showcase what they're, what they're really about versus a really talented Iowa offense. And then, I mean, it was definitely still a very physical game. Like I'm, I'm as banged up as I've ever been after a game. I definitely feel it the few days after. But it was, a, it was a really good defense. We got a lot of respect for them. But I think we just we stuck to the plan and, and trusted the dudes around us, and I think it worked out well. Mm-hmm. And I say, too, when you see your defense balling out like that, you have no choice but to put points on the board. We got a big goose egg up on the scoreboard. We got to put complimentary football, which we talked about last episode. It looks differently. Sometimes it's, it's 31-0. Sometimes it's like 14-7. You know what I mean? It, how games work out, and especially in the Big Ten. Big Ten home game versus that's a good Iowa team at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's just good to get those wins. For sure. Before we get too far into the weeds here, I want to ask y'all, we, we haven't told the viewers – Anything mm-hmm. about what our the name of our podcast means, the Lions Den. It's not just a convenient mm-hmm. play on words because we're at Penn State and Nittany Lions. So, Doc, we can start with you. If you can give some more uh, clarity as to what we're talking about with the Lions Den, that'd be great. Absolutely. You know, people ask, why the Lions Den for the name of this podcast? And, I mean, sure, you can do the play on words, all Nittany Lions, all something like that. But Lions Den is a term of endearment into Penn State football. Every freshman, every transfer, anyone who comes into Penn State football, you have to go in that den. And the Lions Den is a drill pre-practice, or I guess pre-warm-up practice. And it's not an Oklahoma drill. It is a Penn State football drill in which you line up three guys. You got one running back, Mm. one linebacker. Mm. You got four downs to either get, I guess, touchdown, first down, We'll call it a first down. Mm-hmm. Four downs get the first down. You got walk a flock of flame playing. Hard in the paint is playing. You got coaches asking you if you're gonna step up and be a man hand, yet. Hand <laughs> hand is in the ground. You're getting you're getting your your chin strap buckled as tight as possible by mm-hmm. the EQ guys. Mm-hmm. It has set in. It, it it's has ready. Set in. It's time. And what we got to talk about here too is not just the lion's den is a is a stressful part. Once you get towards the back half of that warm up, mm-hmm. and you know you're going in that den. Yes. You start locking in. I remember being in my Cobra stretch right before we would go in there. <laughs> and I remember every day praying and being like, God, like we got to get it done. Like, you got to let me get a dub. I got to make a tackle. It doesn't even matter what position you are. You're in there. Oh, yeah. Wide receiver, you're blocking. Definitely. Tight end, you're blocking. Corners, everybody. Corner, we're, you're in there. You're in the trenches. It doesn't matter who, what, what you're doing. You're in there, and you're going you're gonna to feel it. It is what it is. But that also is the testament to your manhood. Are yeah. you a man? Are you man enough to play it? That's really what football? it is. Yeah. And I, th- I think if there's one drill, I think if there's a singular drill that defines Penn State football, as I see it, mm-hmm. it's the Lions Den. Because there's going to be guys that are bigger and tougher and stronger than you. There are matchups that maybe you won't like. But when, it co- when you get in that stance <coughs> and you got the whole team watching you and yeah. you know pride and manhood is on the line, it all goes out the window. Yeah. And Ty, obviously your first Lions <coughs> Den played quarterback in high school, punter too. We'll, talk, we'll, we'll touch on that, too. Yeah, yeah. First lines, then, hands in the dirt. What's going through your mind? <laughs> a little bit of that side probably came out right before it. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I was – I thought I thought it was going to be – I thought I was going to come in as a better blocker, if I'm being honest with you. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like I, I can shoot off the ball and, like, get a knockback. And 
I don't even remember my first one, to be honest with you. I don't know mm-hmm. who it was against, but I know I know I would didn't do too hot because I was right back in there the next day and the, the next three, <laughs> three to four weeks I was right back in there. So it took me a little bit, but I mean, like Hawk said, it's just like every day you show up and you know it's gonna happen. So it's like it's like every day I'm I'm walking around like I'm about to play a game and I'm in that that like nerve mindset where my, my body's just like going all day long because mm-hmm. I know I know what's coming and you got to be locked in for that drill. If you don't come ready for that drill, then you're going to get embarrassed in front of all hundred of your teammates, and mm-hmm. and they're going to let you hear about it. So it's a it's an intense drill that you got to be prepared for every day. And that's just a tone for your practice, dude. If you have mm-hmm. a bad lines, then it's not just bad lines. Then it's a bad practice. Then mm-hmm. you could go out and have a good team period. Not disrespecting the lines because <laughs> there's certain drills, man. I used to say this too. It's like you can go out there and win every one on one after you get pancaked in Lions Den. All anybody remembers is that you got pancaked in that Lions Den, dog. Nobody's seeing anything else in film. Let's call a spade a spade. That's how I feel about inside run, to be honest. <laughs> inside run, yes. yeah. Now you talk in season inside run. You talking about no, a camp, camp inside camp, run, like camp yep. inside run. Good, Pods is good like that good. too. And half line run and inside run. Mm-hmm. You have like good team periods, like you said. One bad block of inside run can ruin your whole practice, bro. In and, my, that's just my opinion. And inside run, if you don't know what inside run is, mm-hmm. and you're watching this. You don't have an opinion on football. You're not allowed <laughs> not to tell me I did a bad job on a play <laughs> if you don't know what inside run is. And I'm not even going to give you a description of it personally because that's something you have to find out. That's something you have to go through. That's your a football right of and find out. Yeah. But just know when inside runs on the practice show, that's high school, that's middle school, that's college because they all do it. It's you have to set your jaw for that. That's when you get the hard hat on. That's when you earn no, your stripe. You really do. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely a hard hat day. Ty, I don't want to drift too far away from it. Two tutties in the whiteout game. Whiteout Warren isn't a nickname that they just randomly gave you. Mm-hmm. You've earned that over the course of a few appearances in the event. What is going through your mind when you catch that ball in the end zone in the whiteout game? Take us through that. Well, the first one I had to make sure I ca- caught it because in that play I was kind of wide open and the ball's just floating at me and like that thing's still in the air. Like I got I to gotta catch this thing at some <laughs> point because I dropped one earlier in the game. But you don't know what to do really. You kind of just your, – your body takes over once you score. There's so, many, so much energy being poured into the field and your teammates all around you. It's just – it's hard to explain if you haven't done it, but it's really it's a special thing to be there with with the dudes that I grinded with all all winter, all summer, and we're we're in front of that that amazing crowd, and and just to be able to do that is really special. Yeah, four TDs in three games, three wideouts, four TDs, one as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that little yeah, we got that <laughs> dive too. Yeah, yeah. Now that transition from quarterback to tight end, I know you've probably been asked about it a lot over your time here. I mean, being the the, the level you play tight end. What was the easiest thing to pick up going from quarterback to tight end, and what was the hardest thing for you? I feel like the easiest thing for me is probably just being able to know all the stuff because at, at mm-hmm. Penn State, the, what the tight ends do, we got to know a lot of different stuff. We play two to three positions in the offense, really, not just the Y. We play the the other the other receiver positions when we go 13 and 22. So I think that's something I've that really helped propel me was I was going to know my stuff in the playbook, and he mm-hmm. wasn't going to have to worry about me uh, MAing, and then – the hardest thing was definitely blocking. It's it seems like a simple thing, and and you see the linemen do it, and they make it look easy. But there's a lot of a lot of fundamentals and technique that goes into it. I, I think you could probably speak on that too. And that was something I underestimated coming in, and it definitely took me probably I'd say like a year before I really felt like I was where I could where I needed to be. And then I can always keep getting better. But I was I was good enough at that point to where I felt like I I was confident in my blocking. But I'm always still looking to get better in it. And not just quarterback, and not just tight end, punter. Mm. All conference at that Adley High School. Tell all me about state, it. All state. All state. All state, all state, state punter. Three Don't years. disrespect. Three me, years. Three all years, state. Three years. All state punter. Tell me about your yeah. punting journey. You, ever, you think any calls of Coach Franklin talking about? I have putting some punts for you. What's going on there? No, I did. Uh, I, it started with my dad. He was a he was a punter. Like he played everything in high school. He went. He played uh, football at University of Richmond Which as a strong nice. safety. Yeah, the spiders. Spider. Spiders. He was the Ironman in high school. He did everything. He was the he was the punter, so he just kind of taught me when I was younger. And, some, I mean, I just kind of picked it up, and I always punted throughout, like, when I was younger. And then I got to – it was actually in middle school. I showed up, and, like, I wasn't going to start – I wasn't really going to play that year. I was like, I can I can kick and punt. And so mm-hmm. I showed up. And everyone thought that that was my position because I was pretty good at it. And they yeah. like, thought I was a punter and a kicker, and I was kind of like – all right, in seventh grade, like I gotta, I gotta show up and do something now. So I played quarterback that next year, but it, it started there, and then, yeah, in high school I was all state punter three years in a row, and 
I probably, I think I could still boot one here and there. If I had to. So you think you could be an adequate punter at the college level if you had to? If if Penn State football is on the ropes, on yeah. the ropes and needs a punter, you could do it. In an emergency setting, if if something crazy happened there, like, you know, Ty, you got to go out there and you got to change field position here. I think I could get one. <laughs> you got to flip the so, field all yeah. up. And you said, you, you, you said, yo, my dad taught me, put some respect. Tell him who Terry Warren is. Yes. Come on now. Yeah. Tell him who you are, yeah, Spiders sure. 10 is. He uh, he grew up, played high school football at Chantilly. He was the, I want to say he was the player of the year there. Yeah, he was player of the year there. He played at Richmond. He started as a running back, came in as a running back at Richmond. Then they moved him to strong safety, which is not really like a safety back then. Mm-hmm. It's like the Sam linebacker, so like an outside linebacker type deal. And he's, I mean, they they called him Hitman in high school. <laughs> that, was, that was the nickname they gave him, so... He's definitely one of those crazy dudes that you feel like he doesn't have any respect for his body. He just <laughs> throws his head in there and headbutts people. But yeah, all that's 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 the main story I get from all his college teammates was just how how tough he was and how he was kind of just crazy on the field. So when you go back home and the hitman tells you to do the dishes <laughs> or you better he tells you to watch your mouth, whatever it may be, is there any type of back and forth? Are you able yes, to sir. confront him yes, at this sir. point? Uh, it's yes, yeah. Sir. Okay. It's just yes, sir. I got the dishes, yes, sir. Right. Okay. Keep right. it simple. I appreciate that, honestly. I'm not. I'm not gonna butt heads with that guy. Right now, what is your nickname? You guys both called him. What, what's the new nickname? Psycho that, T. Psycho yeah, T. We got Psycho T. Wet Out Warren. We got Soren Warren. We got all kind. We got. You know, T-Go. you made it when you have seven nicknames. T-Breezy. Yeah. yeah. T Breezy. T Brizzle. Why did Swizzle? Why do they call you Psycho T? Uh, that goes. It goes. <laughs> Ty Howell, my the tight end coach. He brought. He brought it up. You know, Tyler Hansborough in college at UNC. He was. Ty Howell was a UNC fan and. And they called him Psycho T, and then one day he just said it. And it and stuck. And then he kept saying it, yeah, and then other people were hearing it, and now it's, it's kind of a thing that's stuck throughout the program a little bit. But T Breezy is another strong one that has a strong presence. <laughs> okay. That was that was more from your time when I first yeah, got there. Yeah, that's that what was, I know you as, Yeah, that T was one Breezy. that was swinging around. So it's really those two are the two biggest ones, I'd say. Do you have a favorite? I mean, I did. I, I like T I, I like both of them because okay. I feel like they're two different ones. Like, Psycho T is kind of cool, mm-hmm. like when people say it, but then T Breezy is another one where it's like, I T- like when people T Breezy just sways. I think it's because of the hair, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We talk about football journeys. Tyler Warren hair journey is serious. Look at, I mean, I think it's changed in the last year as well. It is, yeah. Do you, you want to talk about that at all? Is that, is <laughs> you that put any product in that thing? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I do. The one, I don't always, but I do have a little bit of sea salt spray. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I looked it up on the internet. That's kind of what I went with. It's nothing crazy. Gives it. Just gives it a little bit of a different texture, holds the curls in a little better. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, T Breezy wasn't even from the hair because I had the, I still had the comb over when. Oh yeah, okay. Breezy, <laughs> which we don't need to get into that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the comb over. Yeah, we, don't, we don't need to talk about that one. But yeah, I mean, the hair, I'm, I'm happy with it now. I've wanted to grow it out for a while, mm-hmm. and I really it was, <laughs> I was in, I was in Bober Buell and Liam Clifford's living room, about. I want to say it was after the Rose Bowl, so probably January. We're sitting in there. I'm like, guys, like, I'd, I'd love to have, like, long hair right now. And I, I just <laughs> I brushed it back and, like, kind of styled it how it is now. And they're like, yo, like. <laughs> so, yeah, Bo was like, Ty, I think you were made to wear your hair like that. And, like, he was being so serious. And they were both just hyping me up. So now I was like, I'm going to commit to it. And mm-hmm. I did, and I'm, I'm happy with the results now. Yeah, I mean the fans buzz. I, I get I get hit up all the time about it. Like, what is Tyler Warren doing with his hair? Like, how does yep. he style it like that? Yep. Can you pull it off yourself? I know. <laughs> no. I, hmm? No. No. What? You cannot pull that off. <laughs> says who? You're not me. Says me. You you're <clears throat> not meant for this. I mean, I whatever, whatever. I mean, <laughs> haters and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, people always hit me up about it. So I want to get a more in depth look at it, and that brings me to superstitions. I'm a very superstitious guy. I watch episode of the Bernie Mac episode before every game. Um, that brings me resolution and peace. Are there any weird superstitions you have before games or maybe before a season that gets you prepped for the game? Uh, I'm actually, like, kind of the complete opposite. Like, really? I try not to do anything and just kind of – like, I don't listen to music. I mm-hmm. don't I do not do certain things to get me locked in because I try – I feel like doing that, like, in high school – I would get way too nervous before games. I'd be mm-hmm. listening to music. I actually, I threw up before every football and basketball game. Uh-huh. And it was like, it would affect me all day. Couldn't eat all day. So I just try and and not really think about it mm-hmm. until it's until I'm running out of the tunnel and like it's time to go. Then it's time to lock in and flip the switch. But yeah, I try and just kind of 
enjoy all the extra stuff before before it's actually football, and then when it's football, I just lock in on football. Before every basketball, that's a lot of bat. That's a lot of throw up sessions. Who were you playing in high school that had you <laughs> this shook up? Who is where is he at yeah, now? Mean, the Celtics? No. <laughs> I would go out and handle business too. Like I was doing good. It was just. <laughs> what were your numbers like as a high school hooper? And don't uh, lie, because we will Google it. I'm so tired of people lying about their basketball stats. I believe my senior year, I was like 20 and 10 or 20 and nine. Uh, I was all Metro, all state, second team, so not not first team, but mm-hmm. I was all state in that. And I mean, I wouldn't say I was a super flashy player. I just mm-hmm. feel like I was a good fundamental player who who worked well with a team. Like I'm not an ISO guy. Like you've. If yeah. you take me out in like a one on one, like I'll probably still score, but it's gonna look like not like the flashy stuff. But right. like in five on five basketball, I think is when I do my best work. He fouls a lot. He's a, he likes no, to foul. See Jerry, he blocked no. my shot. He said he didn't foul me. Well, so what really happened here? What's I sent? So I, what did you, I do? You tell your thing. Well, you tell your part. Tell your version. No, don't be so, asking. Yeah. You, you tell your story. Right? Tell the story. Don't. So we got the IM. The whole team pretty much there. We hooping five on five. We get this. Like, he's getting intense. Like this is a real like NBA game right now. So I come down the court, I'm posted up. I say, give me the rock. Pass me the rock. Okay. I'm posting, <laughs> I'm posting Tyler Warren up. I go to fade away. Block my shot. Hit my wrist, though. Hit, okay. And I fell on the ground. I said, that's a foul. Oh. He looked, he stood over me, looked at me. He said, no, it's not, and ran down the court and scored. <laughs> after that, I was done. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I was done after that. I'll be right? honest. I'm, I mean, I appreciate you telling that story on here. I don't know if Batman's getting that information out of me. Mm-mm. More specifically, <laughs> that I hit the ground and he stood over me. Yeah. I, no, yeah, I, was, I, I felt kind of disrespected at that moment. I'm like, man. Was this close to when you had like first got to campus? Well, um, yeah, it was like my first summer. Yeah. Yeah. My first summer here. Yeah, that's a tough way to go out your freshman year, man. It's all good. We can run it back now. Mm. We can run it back now. Would you say you're the best hooper on the team? No. How about me? you? Jerry, me? I'm yeah. Not. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that. I think there's a lot of good athletes on the team, but I've been told that from some of my peers, but <laughs> I feel like it's not. You can't, I, can't, I can't pick just me. There's a lot of good basketball players on the team. Yeah, I think he's top two. Um, I'm probably putting myself at the one position. No, Remember when I blocked you know, your on, shot before, at the yards? Before everyone, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, and then, let me get to that point, too. And a lot of people be like, ah, oh, no, absolutely not. You know what I mean? The haters, again, like I said, every, every, every great one has haters that just doubt you. You know what I mean? Who, but who was hating on you? Like again, y'all just like no, no, right away. But let me just say this: you put me out on the court, Eddie, three on three, two on two, and one on one. You're getting a vicious defender. You're not scoring. You don't even look at the basket. You might as well just have a dribble session. Don't even try to put a shot up. I'm playing relentless defense. You think you're gonna get a rebound over me? I don't care who it is, Yao Ming. I'm boxing you out out of bounds. That's what I was made for. No flash, no no point. Okay, now. I can tell you got bad friends because you've been saying this for years and they've just been letting it slide. Let me say this too. I'm not here to score points. I'm here to impose my will on anybody with the basketball. Mm. Even if you're on defense, I'm still imposing my will on you. I'm going to back you down and I'm going to pass the ball out just to show you what I could have done. I will say... (laughs) I went and played basketball against Doc one time. It might have been like three on three, whatever it was. Neither one of us scored at all. <laughs> but I never went back because Doc was he was defending me like he literally was playing O line, like shoving me, shoulder checking me. Like I woke up the next morning like I had played sixty snaps. <laughs> I'm like I'm not that's not even fun for me. He's just trying to fight me the whole game. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with. I have firsthand experience. One of the best best pickup game teams I've played with was it was me. It was Doc and Olu. <laughs> that was our team. Olu who? Olu can get it done. Real? Olu, yeah. Olu's a slasher. Yeah, he Real. he does. He'll he'll do something every now and then. You're like, whoa. <laughs> like then then he'll just go back to the block and him and Doc just. There was no rebounds that didn't go to us, and, <laughs> and, and the other team's gonna get mad because it's big. The big linemen are gonna be sweating on them. They don't they don't want to get in there with those big nah, boys. They don't want to deal with that. That's my sick. That's my that's my superpower. Sweat. Coach Coach Manny Diaz said, and it really stuck with me. After practice, he goes, what's your superpower? What are you bringing to the team that you're really good at that you can make an advantage for the team? Um, and, I mean, we'll get into what you do from football stand, but most importantly, basketball. I bring the element of sweat. You want to touch a greasy, oiled-up <laughs> dock running down the floor trying to get an easy pickup bucket? No, you probably don't. And if you do, you're sliding off me, man. 
sliding off me. Glide. <laughs> you got to gotta be done. You're done talking about this. I'm not going to keep letting this slide. It's been 17 minutes. <sighs> but for real, actually, superpower-wise, what, what do you think your superpower is to the Penn State offense or even special teams? What do you think you bring this? Um, I think I think I'm pretty versatile as in I think I can do a lot of different jobs, and that's part of part of what I said earlier. Like I feel like I can learn stuff pretty quickly and, and remember it well. And I think I think at the end of the day, the thing about me as a tight end is I, I catch the ball usually when it's thrown to me, and like that's just it's it's kind of seems like a little thing, but at the end of the day, like the the tough contested catches in the end zone and in the red zone, I think that's that's one of the things I do best. Mm-hmm. What's it take to do that at such a high level? I mean, obviously size helps, but there are a lot of big tight ends. Not all of them are really good at the point of contest like that. Is it a mentality? Is it something that you worked on? Where does it come from? I think yeah, like you said, the mentality I think is something. Just having like the confidence and knowing that like when that ball is in the air, you got to come down with it. Like your team's dependent on you to do it. And I think it's just kind of been something I've been good at. Like, there's always the jugs and stuff, but I've always just kind of had, like, sometimes it's just like the ball ends up tucked in my elbow or something. Like, I'm not even going to say I've caught every ball clean that, that I've came down with. Sometimes it, it just happens to be in there. But I think I think just having that confidence to, like, not not think about dropping and think about, all right, I go up, got to go up and catch this and, like, make this play, I think is a big part of it. Jerry, I want to ask you, you got the perspective of being a younger guy, watching him work and watching his process and all those things. What are some things that you've been able to take away from watching his game? Tyler Warren being a silent killer, like that's something that's really like unknown about Tyler. Like he kind of he real humble. He humble about his approach. He don't say much, he quiet, but when he go on the field, he get the job done at a very high level. High production, low maintenance type of guy. Like he said, he remember everything. Mm-hmm. Like Whenever we get a new install, a crazy install, you remember it. It's crazy. It's like, I got a lot of respect for Tyler. I look up to him. Yeah. I mean, just him playing any role. We're on a shield together on special teams. Hawk, you can talk about your shield role, too. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the guy can do literally anything. And I and that's as easy as it sounds in terms of, oh, yeah, he's going to do whatever. It's, it's really impressive that he's able to master techniques and master schemes and stuff all over the field. And I think that would just serve him well down. And that's why he's in the position he's in now. Yeah. No, agreed. Yeah, I do remember those Shield days. Um, Ty Howe ran those meetings. He would bring snacks, still runs them. Those are my favorite meetings. Now, I will say, you know, transparently, you know, I started the season as the third personal protector is what we used to call it. Mm -hmm. And what I realized about midway through the year as personal protectors started getting hurt (laughs) was that somehow, some way, I was always the third personal <laughs> protector. <laughs> there was no circumstance in which I was going in to protect anybody personally. Um, but definitely enjoyed that shield time. I mean, there's allegations that you were only on shield for your voice and the cadence. Do you think that maybe plays a role? I think it does. I think it certainly did. That was the one thing I did at a high level as a shield What's guy. The cadence? I didn't. So, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really good at getting that ball snapped. Um, the one bad memory I have on shield was Jamari Button, who's no longer at Penn State. He was a linebacker here, and it was like a scout period. Like, it was late in the season, so we weren't going full go. Mm-hmm. So I sh- I shuffle over to my spot. The ball snap, boom. I'm chilling. I think Jamari's chilling, and he's flying down like a bat out of hell. It's me <laughs> square in my chest. Um, and I was supposed to be the backup PP that week, and I went back to the three, ironically. Yeah. So, you know, I can blame the coaches, but honestly, it probably right. just wasn't my spot. Earn yeah. not given, for sure. <laughs> And we talk about earned. Your recruiting process was mm. very unorthodox. Mm-hmm. No Twitter. Everyone knows the superpower that Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it now mm-hmm. has in the recruiting world, talking to analysts, talking to coaches from any level. This guy was rocking out with all these college offers as a quarterback mm. with no Twitter, getting in contact with coaches. So take us through how you got here. Yeah, well, I, I actually wasn't aware of like what the Twitter world was like with the recruiting. Like I didn't know that it was such a big role, but – Basically, for me, it was I'd either get a text from the coach or, like, one of my coaches in high school would tell me, like, yo, this is so-and-so's number. He wants you to call him at this time. And that was how all of it was. It was all, like, through calls and, and talking talking person to person. So that was – and that's something I don't really like to do. So I, I didn't really like all the recruiting stuff. Like, I didn't like – I didn't like going and doing the photo shoots. The only place I did a photo shoot was here, and it was after I was committed on my on my OV – and then they'd, they'd always kind of look at me funny, like they'd be like, "Hey Tyler, they're going in for the photo shoot," and I'd just be like, "Can I just like stay out here and keep watching the practice or something?" They're like, "Yeah, but that's just just not something I really like doing." And 
it worked out for me. I think I found the right spot. But yeah, it was it was definitely different than most people. I feel like old school football guy. Not here for the flashing lights. <laughs> yeah. The it's Twitter not the side either. He's real. He's he means it. Yeah, point. really living that life. Yeah. On the note, we last time we brought up Twitter, I want to make this point. We talked about guys with like the nicknames as their name and the all Joker. that. Something something I wanted to say last time that I should have said. I've seen a trend with <laughs> young men getting humble beast tatted on them. <laughs> I genuinely want to know: Would a humble beast then tattoo it on themselves <laughs> for everybody to know they're such a humble beast? It's do you see the irony of what I'm saying? I, it's yeah. just concerning to me. I don't know if you have any thoughts. I mean, there. we got guys that just have humble on them. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna start calling them out here shortly. <laughs> Kevin Kevin Winston Jr. I know you watched these. <laughs> you have just humble tattooed on you. What is humble about that? What are we doing? And why are so many guys getting the same the same humble beast tattoo? Right. What are we doing? I they, they saw that. They're like, you know what? I am a humble beast. You're right. The world needs to know. What Everybody I, what has I to know how humble yeah. I am. <laughs> that that too. And we almost impose this rule. Another trend. Yep. The Cuban links. Yep. If you come on my show wearing a Cuban link that's bigger than mine, I'm gonna ask you to leave from now on. It's that simple. Boys, what are we doing? Come on, we're in college. Why do you have a Cuban link? Wait, don't you have a Cuban link? <laughs> no, I have no with, Cuban link. With your initials on it? <laughs> Where are you getting these allegations from? Show me the proof. Oh, yeah. Actually, I do have a Cuban link that you gave me. That you yeah, like, me Nick is the like Cuban you. link <laughs> connoisseur. I've never been to Cuba. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know where you, I don't know where. The, again, these allegations. Again, boys, allegations here we're talking about. Right. Not not proven, not anything mm. like that. Okay. So until you show me some irrefutable evidence, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come Next episode I got y'all with this evidence, bro. Cause he he capping right now, big time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have been talking about um our performances, Penn State football freshman, transfer staff member. You have to get up, you have to dance, you have to sing, you have to do one or the other. That's how you, you know, get really initiated to Penn State football. Um Tyler Warren, it's really not even Debatable has the best performance. He gets called on every single year, multiple times, and it's re it's really a treat for us when he's able to actually perform for us. Mm -hmm. You want to take us through your pro process of how you even came up with your dance? Well, to be honest, I probably thought of it the day before I went because you don't know when you're going to go, and I was kind of freaking out. You know, every day you walk into the team meeting and you're like. You're looking where Franklin is. He's going to come <laughs> up to you. You're trying to stay small in your chair and act like you're writing something in your notebook mm. or something. So I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was Every day I walk in, feel like I'm going to throw up in that team meeting. And then the day before, I just I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go with this song. And, like, I, I had my first move planned. I knew I was, how I was going to start it off. But after that, I just kind of – just kind of went with the flow and let my let my body take over and oh yeah <laughs> it, it worked out. I wouldn't I wouldn't really call myself a dancer though. I I consider it more of a performance. I feel like I feel like it's not really a dancer. I'm just I'm more of I I play to the crowd. Okay, if, if that's okay, fair. that does make sense. You 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 can be a showsman. Yeah, when I'm it's more time. Of a showsman. What what song did you perform to? I I danced to Yeah by Usher. <laughs> Yeah, said like he didn't know. That was just for y'all. He knew exactly. What song <laughs> he tried was. to fake the hesitation, like he had to think about it. He knows exactly what yeah. song it was. Dude, it was it's electric. Um, do you have any thoughts on me being the dance captain now? I'm picking who's going before. You have any? Uh, I think I think I it's it? a no. I think it's a very sound system, and mm -hmm. they definitely got the right guy in, in charge it, of it. Yeah, I think so. You know who used to do it before him? It was Fred? Fred Hansard. Yeah. And yeah, I've man. always said you and Fred Hansard. I got respect. Twitter, I got respect for um, you know his dance moves and how he conducted himself in performance as dance captain. All I can do is live up, you know, to the shoes that he he set for me. Try to fill them. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. I'm doing the best I can. Try to be the best version of myself at the most. A comparison is a FIFA joy, so I won't take that comparison. I'll just be the best <laughs> version of myself. Thank you for that, though. I think a uh, I think another thing that's kind of on a serious note and that and that funny thing was that's kind of the first glimpse that the team really gets to you because. I'm like a quiet guy. I wouldn't a lot of people probably didn't even know who I was at the time. And then it's kind of a chance for you to show show who you are to the team. And I think that dance was a a big part of just like having people like actually know my name and come up and start talking to me and start building relationships. So I think it's it's actually like a really important thing within the program. I feel like with yeah. with like just 
kind of getting yourself out there and letting people know who you are. Mm-hmm. It's crucial, and I'll give you the context because the time before that that I really had talked to you was the first time I ever met him, me and PJ Mustafer <laughs> at the field. I go introduce myself to him because he just gets on campus. Oh, what's up, man? I'm Hawk. He's like, hello, I'm Tyler Warren. <laughs> quiet as a church mouse. Next time I see this kid, he's dancing to Usher, mm-hmm. performing his rear end off, man. So, you know, I respected you from that moment on. I'm like, you know what? This kid's going to be just fine in Penn State football. Hawk, I wasn't blessed with your performance. What did you do? Uh, <laughs> I went up to salt and pepper push it because uh, I'm not a dancer either. Okay. I'm, I've never been a dancer, not a singer, so I didn't know what to do. So my thing is like, you know, you may question a lot of things about me. You won't question my attitude now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to give you what I got. I'm going to perform at a high level. Um, I did not perform at a high level that day. I actually mm-hmm. ended up getting trash thrown at me. Wow. But okay. Franklin never remembered to make me go again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been holding that to the chest until just now, actually. So it feels good to get that off your chest. Get off my chest. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do? I sung uh, Take Me to the King. <laughs> he went to the gospel music. That's how nervous he was. A little of that. No, I cannot. But Wait, why not? Tyler got a little glimpse. But no, no, don't bring him, him to the time. equation. No, no, you're not getting those stuff right now. Take me no, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's good though. I'll, I'll give him. He's good. Me and Jerry harmonize quite often. Just walking from meeting rooms or something, or when I mm-hmm. walk by him, I might drop a note. And he'll, he'll hit me with one back. So yeah, we got <laughs> this little thing though. Me and Ty, it's like it's called Red Zone One on One. We just say it. Is um, it goes like this: Red Zone One on One. That's how they call it up. That's how they call it up before the practice. Yeah. I don't know what y'all are doing before practice, man. Ty, let's talk about just a little bit more so, uh, you know, your career now that you're an older guy. um, Obviously, you and Theo both are looked at as the leaders of that room. Honestly, leaders on that offense. We've seen you guys have a ton of success. You put 31 up against Iowa. You control the football. You're running the ball when you want. You're getting explosive. As a leader, what's it taken to take that step as an offense in another year under your search? Yeah, I think I think Theo especially has done a really good job of taking the the vocal role in that, and he's really like he's somebody that when the offense is getting a break or they say bring it in, it's people are going to start either saying Olu or Theo's name, and and Theo's the guy who's gonna who's gonna talk before the game and and, and talk to us. I think for me, it's more of a kind of micro role where I'm I'm more focused with the tight ends and like I'm kind of a guy who's gonna lead by example and. I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to yell out something like during the practice, but I might pull you aside and be like, "Yo, like, what were you thinking on that? Like, like, what's up?" And on a one-on-one stage, I feel like that's kind of where I sit in that the leadership role, and it's not as not as much the big picture, but just kind of taking dudes one-on-one and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you coming in, you have that silent killer. I mean, mentality. That's what Jerry's deeming you. When do you think that started with you? When did you, um, you know, just come in understanding? Like, I just put my head down and work. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of how I've always been. It's it's kind of what my dad kind of ingrained in me when I was younger. It's just like like he was always just talking about being humble and not not like I never really want to come off as like a show off or somebody who's cocky. And it's kind of something I'm always self conscious about. And I think that's something that actually kind of hurt me when I first got here because there's a difference between like being a cocky guy and being somebody who's who's confident and self confident. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I kind of got those confused. So. A big a big part of my my game taking a taking another step was kind of finding my self confidence and and being confident but not being like an arrogant and a mm-hmm. and still staying humble. So I think that was a that was a big part for, for me. That's such a fine line too, and that's mm-hmm. I think it's a good point. You got to learn that when you get to school. There are some guys who come in they're way too much. They're way too arrogant. Haven't really backed it up. Nobody at work. But the flip side of it, which is actually relevant, you can be too humble. You can be yeah. too quiet. Yeah, you yeah. can be too. That, those things are relevant because you got to show a coaching staff, but more importantly, your teammates, at some way, some somehow, that you have some confidence to you. That way, they have confidence in you. You know what I mean? That's really where it starts in my book. Yeah, I mean that inner self belief too. It's hard, and it, at first, it's hard because you're in this situation and you see guys around you doing what they're doing, balling out, um, maybe not preparing like how you're preparing. I think that's the toughest part of college football yeah. is you put so much work into something. And you see maybe someone else isn't put in the work or you don't think that they're putting in the work, but they're getting better results than you or getting the same results as you. And you're, on, you're like, man, why am I not getting what I'm putting in? But this process is just so long. Yeah. The process, and it looks different for everybody. Every, everybody's path is going to be different. That's what we always harp on. Comparison is the fee for joy. Mm-hmm. Don't compare your process to someone else's process. But, man, I know that's the most frustrating part about the game. But when you see it and you see it in flashes, it makes you it makes you hungry for it. It yeah. makes you want it more. It's an addiction. Well, and to that point, let's talk about the room that you came in. You had Pat Fryermuth, who we all know is doing just fine with the Steelers. 
Brendan Strange goes in the second round. Theo's another guy you can compete with. Zach Kuntz, who mm-hmm. has had his shot in the NFL as well. You had to come in and kind of climb from the bottom. Talk about that experience. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely not a not a bad position to be in coming in with dudes with all that talent. I think just like when you talk about what Nick said, like uh, comparison is a thief of joy. I think coming in with Theo, he was kind of at a different spot than I was on the, in the athletic journey, and he got some playing time our freshman year. And he, we were good friends; like it was a good relationship. But just kind of seeing him and and thinking like like why why can't I be like that right now? Like why is it different for me? I think that was that was something that I struggled with a little bit. But then it's just like like he said, it's everyone's journey is going to look different. It's going to be different. So just kind of staying the course and then. Like I said, finding finding the self confidence and and knowing that I'm a I'm a college football player, like I came here to play too, is was a big part of it for me. And Jerry, how have you seen that motivate you? Because you're no slouch, man. You came out of high school, one of the highest rated tight ends in the country, yeah. and to come in and learn, but more importantly, be motivated by these guys in the room. How has that set you? Man, it's helped me out a lot, honestly. Um, looking at Tyler and Theo, like no, even when I came in, with Brent was here too, still. So just being able to learn from those three guys, it, it has helped me a lot. Even me not being able to play as much as I did, well, not as much as I did, but being able to play last year. Um, so for me, like it, like Ty said, just just not comparing my journey to anyone else's, just focusing on myself. That's something that I'm still working on right now. Because, like you said, being surrounded by a lot of guys that are as talented as you, or maybe more talented than you, that may not have put that much work in. It just you got to just stay locked in on yourself. So that's mm-hmm. something that I'm still continuing to work on and. Just continue to build my confidence every day, which I feel like I'm growing on in that aspect. Just this throughout the season too, just every week of practice, I feel like I'm getting better and just continue to grind at that because I know at some point my time gonna come. So I'm just staying ready. And I think if you're a recruit and you're looking for a place to go play football and you're making these evaluations, you know, in 2023, you see so many kids hit that portal early. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them have good reason to. I'm not gonna say they're all bad transfers because yeah. they're not, but at the same time. There aren't a lot of places where you can really come in at one position where you're low on the depth chart, you're building, you're waiting for your turn, and then ultimately actually get that opportunity. A lot of places will quit on you before you get mm-hmm. that chance. Mm-hmm. Penn State football is not that. If you come in, you work, you continue to develop, you illustrate that you're growing in confidence and you're getting better day by day, that time does ultimately come for a lot of people. Man, they'll find a role for you. You like special teams? Yep. You love special teams here. Yep. Like if you can play, they'll figure it out. Maybe you're not at that level yet. Maybe you're not ready to really see the field on a number like the top defense in the country. But you can play ball. You're on special teams, man. Make, for sure. And then you show them that you can make plays on special teams, you're gonna see the field. Yep. And I don't think that's how it is everywhere, but I know that's how it is here. And they don't just put up lip service to special teams or put up lip service to um your playing ability. If they think you can play, you'll, they'll find a way to get you on the field. That's anywhere, though. If you can ball, they'll find you. So many guys on Twitter, I'm most underrated guy, I'm this and that. Reality, if you're good enough it and you have the you. intangibles and you maybe you have to, maybe you have to, like, me personally, when I was getting recruited, before a recruiting process, on like I would go on random colleges' websites and fill out questionnaires and, like, just try to get my name out there and stuff like that. Maybe the opportunity looks different for you, but if you can ball in any sport, they'll find you. That's their job. And I know that's tough for some guys to hear because they may didn't get the opportunity they wanted. Or, but if you can ball, especially in, in, now in the NFL, all these scouts getting paid all these dollars and stuff like that, they're going to find you. Right. You know what I mean? I, I completely agree. And more often than not, I think it's just it's a challenge in 2023 with how visible everything is. Mm-hmm. And the things that you see as a young recruit when things aren't going how you want them to are always kids who are balling and they're, they got 40 offers and look at them at the opening and all these mm-hmm. things. That's not reality for most of the guys that you see playing on Sundays. Mm-hmm. They have to go through some type of adversity. Somebody sleeps on them. Ultimately, not only will they find you, the guys who are going to go play in the NFL and really are serious about their craft and aren't worried about the noise or whether or not other people believe in them are the ones that ultimately get there. Mm -hmm. They find a way just to keep working wherever they're at, and that's really what it comes down to. If you're a recruit that's watching this, just because you're at a D2 or maybe you're not getting recruited out of school, it doesn't mean it's over. Guys develop at different points in their careers all the time, and you see it even in the NFL draft, a Mm -hmm. kid getting drafted from a school you never heard of in the top 20. Mm -hmm. So. And I'm, I mean, I don't know about you, you're not a ranking guy. Like, when you were in high school, you weren't really worried about any of that. Yeah, I'd, I was like a three-star. I was, I think I was actually lowest in our tight end room now, but I wasn't really worried about it. Like, I didn't like going to those camps 
the the only like actual camp I did that was kind of like a big campus that wasn't like a just a college camp, which I thought those were good going yeah. to like an individual college camp to see mm-hmm. the coaches there. But I did do like the Elite Eleven when I was a quarterback. I got invited to the Elite Eleven camps, and even those like just going there with all those dudes and some of the egos there, and yeah, just the way it works it was that's not what I enjoyed at all, and I I did not not want to do all those like rivals and and those big camps where it's mm-hmm. really just for the stars and I. Because I know at the end of the day, the stars could could mean less, and it's they use it. But I really feel like, like you said, if if you're a baller and you can play, they're gonna find you no matter what what rankings they have you in in high yeah, school. And I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like even with those type of camps, though, like those camps are made for ego boosters. Like, yeah. look, at, look at the rivals camp, Elite Eleven, the opening. Like those are all seven on seven camps. It's no, it's not real football. Like that's why I feel like most recruits get mixed up. Like. You could be a five star, four star, but just because that don't mean you're gonna come in and play right away. <clears throat> like I know guys that came in with three star. Look at Amari. Amari came in. He's like a two star. He was like a, a two star. Yeah. He came in to play his freshman year. Zane Zane was like a three star, yep. four star, and he came in to play his freshman year. So yep. like we were talking about, everybody's journey is different. So yep. just because you won all those camps, that don't mean that you're going to NFL your first year, second year, or third year. So I see know. I see more and more kids now. It's like it's like being humble and like just sticking to your craft and not being in the limelight it's like seen as a negative thing yeah Mm -hmm. and that's that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth the moment you start counting stars and offers and who's got more followers on this and as soon as you feel like you've arrived then you start doing stuff like that it's over before you know it it's gonna be over quick there's no time in which you can slow down or stop working and if you're a kid watching this you need to stop clicking on those articles about you where people Mm -hmm. are praising you and telling you that you're the best thing since sliced bread because you're gonna get to college and you're going to run into a real football player, and you're not going to know how to handle that adversity. Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time. Can't believe the hype. <clears throat> you cannot believe the hype. And I think that's my biggest advice to anyone in the recruiting process. Don't get caught up in that hype, man. And right now, you're a recruit. You're high school getting some offers, maybe D3, D2, D1. This is probably the most wanted you'll ever be in your life, respectfully. The most wanted. All of these people contacting you. We need you. We want you. What can we do to get you here? That don't happen to everybody. Enjoy the process, man. It's dope. It's yep. cool to be able to go to any school in the nation, be able to visit somewhere, and they, they want to offer you a full-ride scholarship or offer you money to go play football there. That's the dream. But don't believe all the things that come around with it. You, can't, like, you have to love the game, or you have to love something that motivates you to play the game or what, whatever, it, whatever your why is. But you really have to love this stuff in order to do what, you, what we do here. You can't kind of like football but love followers and go do a winter workout. No right. way. No. Then, now now and, you're in a... And, and you see those guys. Yes. And they're typically not here for more than a semester. And they don't last. Yeah, and they don't last. Now you got a tire pool with Tyler Warren. What are you going to do? Right. But you were just trying to hit Nittany right. Nation. Corvette, How Corvette. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me the 6,000 followers, Nittany Nation. Uh, we talk about why and establishing mm-hmm. that. And I think just about every college football player that sticks around for enough years and grinds through it has established their why. Ty, what is yours? I think it definitely starts with with my family, which I think is a lot of people's, but just my mom and my dad, just all they did for me in, in every sport growing up, football, basketball, baseball, just the amount of time they put into it. And then, because really my dad, in high school, my dad was working a lot. So my mom would be the ones taking me to all these camps. And like we were we were staying in a hotel or go, go to a camp Friday night, stay in a hotel, drive to another camp Saturday. So just all the stuff she did for me. And then I got like my grandpa and my aunts and, and uncles who all support me. And then a big thing for me when I'm something that really la- makes me love this sport is the relationships I've built, like, on this team now and just the stuff. When I think about it, like, the stuff I've been through, I've probably been through some of the hardest physical, like, tasks of my life with with some of these dudes, with y'all in these rooms and just going out there and, and having a common goal with those guys when I think about it is, like, something that really motivates me to – I got to perform for these guys because I know they got my back and we've, we've done – you know, we've ran 12 hills and pushed a sled 200 yards with 100 pounds on it. And it's like, if I can do that with them, I can I can almost do anything with them. I think that's a big thing that, that motivates me. And I want everyone to notice that, what he said right away. It says, why my family, how much they sacrificed for me. And I think that's just a, something when you, we ask guys on our podcast, our teammates and everything, it always goes back to what their family did for them, who sacrificed for them. And, I, and that's not just a coincidence. I think that's just the guys we have in this locker room. I think you ask any guy that comes on here that plays, is everyone understands the sacrifices that people made for them to be here, be in this position. And I don't think anyone takes it for granted. I think that's why 
we're doing what we're doing right now is because we have that level of gratitude and appreciation. And that's, I mean, that's kudos to the recruiting staff. Yeah. Kudos to Coach Franklin for the guys who were bringing in here this, for this program. Yeah, Kenny Sanders, Alan Zamitis, Franklin. I, in 2023, to recruit that many kids who are mature enough to be thinking about their why and it not be directly about them mm-hmm. is not easy to do. And they found a way to do it at a mass level, which to me – is a big is a big indicator of the success that this football team is having now and they had last year and all those things. This is a team that cares about each other. There's a brotherhood there and it's selfless football. I turn on the TV now as a casual viewer. I see guys celebrating. I see receivers flying down the field, making blocks for guys. I see, I mean, all of these things that indicate that it's so much deeper than just an individual playing for themselves. Mm-hmm. They're playing for each other. And Ty, when you came into Penn State, um, obviously – came in with your core values and everything like that. What do you think is something you wish you would have known when you were a freshman that would that would have helped you now or some advice you would give to an incoming freshman in college? Yeah, I think for me a big part of it was, like I said earlier, self-confidence. But with that, it's more like being comfortable and knowing that the dudes that you look up to and you might be, like, nervous to go up and talk to were in your, mm. in your shoes one day. And, and at the end of the day, they're probably more likely to want to help you and, and talk to you about stuff than just kind of blow you off as a freshman. I Because I know, I know now I, I'd, I'd love for, for any of these young guys to come up and, and ask me questions just about life, about football. And I think that's something that I could have done a lot better job of and just being, being willing to go up and ask questions and, and talk to dudes who are seen as, like, the old, old vet guys who – who've done a lot of success in college football. So just being being more outgoing and and having the confidence and the and the self self awareness just to be able to talk to people and, and not feel uncomfortable about it. And Jerry, what about you? Um for me just just building off what Ty said, honestly. Just, you know, focusing on being self confident and just being comfortable because the more confident you are in the field, this is what Frank Leonard told me like two days ago, right before the game. The more comfortable and confident you get on the field, the better you play. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that an old head can build on, a freshman can build on, I can build on. That's just with anything. The more comfortable you, the more comfortable you get with something, the better you will perform in anything you do. And Hawk Nivis, you stepped away from the game. What are your thoughts? Man, if I could go back and talk to myself as a freshman, the first thing I'd say is, you know, the bad days, the hard days, the the times you wake up and you don't feel like going to lash, you don't feel like running hills or whatever it may be, those, ironically enough, are the days that you end up missing the most. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really not a lot outside of football at that level that challenges you that much and demands growth that much. You get to regular life, there's still challenges, but if you maintain the habits you had at Penn State football – Nine times out of ten, you can handle them. You can handle them pretty easily in comparison. So, you know, appreciate every day because they don't come back, and it's tough to recreate those things. Um, yeah, man, that's that's my answer. Yeah. I, for me personally, you have to decipher why you're doing this. And, I mean, there's finding your why, but what's your purpose? What's your purpose for playing football? Because r- reality-wise, like, them bad days happen. Mm-hmm. And when they happen – Man, it's not just you have a bad practice, you have a bad day. It's tough to um, change your identity with football. Personally, still, that's one thing I'm struggling with, my identity with football. Mm -hmm. How can you find balance? What can you do that takes your mind off football? But when it's time to get it done on the field, are you able to master your craft? Are you able to snap out of it, snap all that stuff? Because we talk about it all the time. When you get in the locker room, you get on the field, all that stuff going on outside of your life, that can't happen in a facility. That can't come. That can't come with you into facility. Right. It's business minded. You come in there. You have a job to do. You have people relying on you. You have your brothers next to you who are relying on you to know what you're supposed to do and do your job. For O line wise, we have running backs. We have quarterbacks that are relying on us to protect the, protect them to do our job. Make sure they're fine. And I think when you get in there and you're able to eat, block out all the noise, it's good in the football facility and it's good on the field. But when you come out and now you have to deal with it, that's that's one thing I still struggle with now is finding that balance. Yeah, and it's it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Mm-hmm. It ain't just you. There are a lot of guys who get done playing football and have no idea what to, what to do at all. There's a stat. It's like the NFL, 78% of NFL guys, guys who made a bunch of money, who had all the success in the world and the football field, 78% of them are like broke, divorced, and depressed in like yeah. three years. <laughs> yeah. Like mm-hmm. that to me is an indicator 
that there's not enough guys who know how to flip that switch off and develop an identity away from the game. And the thing I see guys struggle with the most when they get done playing for two, three years is trying to identify that. So if you're a guy who's still playing like you guys are, my advice is even if you don't know if you like doing something or if you want to do something, Mm -hmm. there is value in going out of your way and spending extra time and energy trying those things because that day is going to come. It could come tomorrow. It could come in 15 years, but you're moving on. And whether or not you made a bunch of money in between there is not really going to affect the way that you process having to build a whole new identity as a grown man. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? And whatever game they have guys doing this, you got like 40-year-old dudes that still think they got it in them to go out there on the Man. field and lace them up and set their jaw and go against old fashioned. I'm not gonna lie, I see all plays sometimes. <laughs> I'll be on the sideline, I watch like Hakeem Beeman like shake somebody in TFL uh, and I'll be like, yeah, I would have made that same play <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. And when we talk about sacrifice, obviously our core, one of our core values. Um, Ty, what do you think has been so far for your success? What do you think has been your greatest sacrifice that's mm-hmm. led to you being as successful as you are? I'd say probably just it seems like a simple thing, but but your time, mm-hmm. and that I feel like every every player when they really think about it, would agree with it. It's and with time that means that means your your sleep, that means your free time. Like you're not really gonna have times where you can just you're not gonna have a day where you can just lay around and not mm-hmm. do anything. Those might come twice a year where you truly just have a day where you can just sit there and really relax. But I feel like that, and then you you give up a lot of um you give up a lot of experiences. When you go to a to a college like Penn State, like there's a there's a lot of stuff that that football players and, and other athletes aren't just aren't going to get to do that an everyday student would. Which sometimes it, it might bother you, but I think I think when you have a common goal with a team like that and everyone's willing to sacrifice those things, the mm-hmm. the result will be will be a lot sweeter than if you were you were able to go out or have a day off, one more day off than than you might have wanted. So true, man. And Jerry, for you. I say the same thing, honestly. Um, for me, it's just my time and like me having a good relationship with my mom, like mm-hmm. not being to see her as much. That's something that I had to, I had to adjust to just coming to college. Like I hit the wall, the freshman wall when I first got here because I was so tight with my mom, not being to see her, be able to see her and like that, like kind of messed with me. So for me, it's just relationships with my, my family and time for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we always talk about it. But it was the quote. They say, "If you can't sacrifice what you or what you want, becomes a sacrifice." Yep. And man, even like this podcast we do. I mean, like with the fans, like we shoot this on our off days. Yep. So like last episode, Jerry's mic was wherever we had an issue, and they're like, "Oh, get the microphone, get the microphone." It's like, "Dang, bro!" Like that's our free time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But at at the same time, this kind of brings me my balance. I think for y'all too, like just being able to. But everything is a sacrifice. We're sacrificing time that we could be, you know. Putting devoted to like just laying around, which we don't get to do, like aiding that mental health a little bit, sitting down with the boys, getting something to eat or something like that. But I think at the end of the day, any we say anyone who's great knew they were going to be great or knows they're going to be great because they're able to sacrifice. That's a great quote. Um, I'll ask all three this, but I'll start with you, Ty. You know, we're we're getting into that point of the season where we're starting to get to the midway, more Big Ten play, more competition. What are your goals individually? What are your goals as a team at this point in the year? Um, and what's it going to take to get there? Yeah, I think for me as a player, something something I always do, and I think I think it really goes back to the tight end room, is just just doing doing what they ask of me each week. You know, especially our position at tight end, it, it can look different each week. It could be sixty snaps of, of straight run block, and it could be twenty catches in the game. But between the room, I think. That's something we take pride in, and and that's that's something I take pride in as a player is is being somebody they see as unselfish and and being a guy that they know is going to get the job done whether it's whether it's something flashy or something you know not as not as seen as well in, in the crowd and stuff like that. And I think as a team we 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 talked about it each week. It's really just about getting better. It's not it's not really focusing on on anything at the end. It's each week we have we have a goal of getting better, and if we keep just getting better each week. We're gonna we're gonna go where we want to go, and it's just gonna come from that individual success and and the team success of getting better and and being better each week. Yeah, man, I couldn't say it better myself, man. That's spoken like a true vet. Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive. I mean, it's like I'm sitting here with three mini Coach Franklins, man. The way you guys answer <laughs> these questions is unbelievable. Man, people think that this is like brainwash or like they think that we're just echoing, like we're being told what to say. 
I'm at the point. This is this is like, this life. Is truly, my belief. Yeah. It's like, real life. It's not. They say, oh, it's echo what Coach Franklin said. No. This is what we believe in the program. Instilled in us, bro. You do your job. Team success. We're winning games. It's only going to lead to individual success. Good teams have great players, and the best teams are just one solid unit. Yep. So none, not like all this stuff. Um, with what we're saying and going back to quotes and stuff. That's how we live our daily lives at this point. And that's what separates Penn State is our culture, our traditions, and how we live life is the guy, and the guys in the locker room is because we truly believe what we're preaching and what Coach Franklin's preaching. That's how we live our life. Those yep. are our core values. I'll, I'll say, and I'll be transparent about this, you know, the things that Franklin talks about every day, when I was there in the locker room or on the field listening to him, you know, most, I mean, it, it's good stuff, number one, but when you're having a bad day and you're feeling a certain type of way for yourself, whatever, you don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. But the guy, I mean, 100%, the guys that I see leave Penn State, whether for the NFL or for real life, the ones that do the best and consistently do the best are the ones that take those habits and those lessons that you learn in the building and they then transform, transfer them into life. Like that's what we've said it a couple times in this podcast. Like these habits you're talking about, your why, like all these things that are important to identifying and going after success translates right from the football field into life. And it's definitely something that I wish I would see more guys across the country continue to work on doing beyond football. Front row 10 minutes early, not telling you that you're going to be successful because you do those things, but at the same time, name someone who's not successful that's in the front row of your class. 10 minutes early, engage. It's only giving you tools to help you get better. That's it. That's just in life. They're added mechanisms that don't guarantee success, but like Franklin says, the little things are not the little things. They're the big things. And those little things add up quick. And how you do anything how you how do, you do everything. How you do everything. And that's real. That's real. Tyler, appreciate you coming on. Episode 5 of the Lion's Den. Ty, we got to get you some merch, man. We got some Lion's Den hoodies and hats, mm-hmm. man. You get you all kitted up. If you haven't gotten your merch yet, Nick Dawkins is going to come to your house and choke slam you. I'll be there. That'll be before the next episode. So make sure you get that done before next week. Stay tuned. We'll continue to have the best Penn State coverage known to mankind. This has been the Lions Den presented by State Media. New episodes next week, wherever you listen to your podcast.